Thank you so much for doing this. And you're going to the Bahamas, right? Yep. Oh my God. How long are you going for? I'm so jealous. From the 30th to the 3rd. I've never been, so. Oh, I'm so jealous. Man, I just have never been. I always talked about like, where is the water the clearest in the world? Mm -hmm. And like, that's always where I wanted to go. And it's funny because Bahamas is right there. I feel like I should have been to the Bahamas before. Oh, that's a nice time. little vibe. Swim with the pigs. Oh, you know? yeah, see, exactly. That's when you get, swim with the pigs. I heard they bite. I seen them bite a... Uh, yeah, I seen a video before of them yeah, bite someone. Bit the, bit yeah, the girl on the butt. Yeah, but I thought it was kind of cute at the time, but actually their teeth probably kind of sharp. Yeah, mm. definitely probably really hurt a little bit. <laughs> Hey guys, it's your girl Leomi Anderson and you already know what time it is. I always have the best guests on Role Model and today is no different. Today we are joined by the stylish superstar athlete Odell Beckham Jr. Odell is an American football legend, drafted by the New York Giants into the NFL when he was just 21 years old and going on to smash record after record in the game. But if you're here for touchdown tips or how to pull off the perfect one-handed catch, then this isn't the place because on Role Model, I get into what happened off the field to turn him into this once-in-a-generation athlete. The what-if was never bigger than the determination that, that we wouldn't make it. And this is a whole load of things from his parents. I think I learned sacrifice the most from my mom. Messing up. My hand has to get burnt for me to know, like just not to touch the stove. And knowing how to get into the zone when the pressure is on. What song are you listening to? Man, all of it, Drake, Wayne. <laughs> and let's not forget that my man competes with Kim K when it comes to breaking the internet for his style choices. From watches, hair, fresh looks, my boy is a pinup, and we got something juicy on this topic in store too. A little exclusive. <laughs> might, there. might be a little info, you know what I mean? Okay. Something going on. People, it's Odell Beckham Jr. <sighs> <laughs> now listen, I'm not gonna ask you where you're from because I already know that. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you who your favorite athletes are or your athletic inspirations are because I already know that too. Mm. That's Shaq, David Beckham, mm. and your parents. Mm. And I'm not going to even get cute and ask you what your favorite genre of movie is because it's rom-coms mm. and your favorite movie or one of your favorite movies is Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> but what I am going to do today is dig into the truth of, you know, how you became who you are today, the role model that we all know and love. I know that your mom was a track star at LSU. Uh, she competed in indoor and outdoor relay events and was actually trialing out for the Olympics when she found out she was pregnant. And your dad was starting running back. I don't know what that even means, but I know that he was. So sporting was literally in your blood. Tell me, was sports or becoming an athlete something that was kind of guided by your parents or was it like a hobby that turned into a passion? I think for one, uh, it was definitely guided by my parents. But at the same time, when I got into sport, like I just excelled and I was gifted with the abilities and it was something that I just knew like this was for me. Like this was this was my avenue. This is what no matter what sport it was, it was basketball, baseball, football, soccer, or football, as you call it. Football, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, no matter what sport it was, I could have, I could have done any one of those at the highest level. I was, you know, God gifted me. My my parents were athletes, and it just, 
to see my mind at such a young age. I was about four years old outside throwing the football. Um, it was snowing, kind of raining a little bit. I had no shoes on. And I told my mama, I was, she, she came outside. She was looking for me all around the house. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm preparing for Sundays. You know what I mean? Like, I just knew that I was going to be here at some point. Never knew how the journey would have went. I could have never predicted any of the things that happened. But I did know that I was for sure going to be doing something professionally as far as sports. Me and you were the same age. And I began modeling when I was 14 years old. And by the time I was like 17, 18 years old, I feel like people were expecting me to make all these adult decisions. How did you navigate that? I feel like that's one of the things that um, I always tell like the younger guys who come to ask me whether it was about fame or any of these things. I say, no, no matter what, you can't prepare someone for this. You, there's, there's no rule book to teach someone about how to act or what decisions to make or all the things that you have to navigate at such a young age that shouldn't be put on your plate but are. And in the, the world that we live in, it doesn't make it any easier because we're just kids who are having to make adult decisions when all we want to do is continue to live our life and be happy and just, you know, kind of stay in our own lane. But I find that one to be probably some of the hardest advice to give somebody. Like, you can't, you can't prepare them for that. You can't teach them how to be or how or what decisions they should make. For me, I always talked about the stove being hot and somebody touching it saying, don't touch the stove. That's like <laughs> I, I get my to, hand burnt, trust me. <laughs> my, hand, my hand has to get burnt for me to know, like just not to touch the stove, whether that's good or bad. It just, it's kind of the reality of the world. Everyone has to, um, you know, make their own decisions and, and uh, kind of like learn from it and, and learn to deal with the, the, you know, the consequences, the results. You've been working basically all your life, but were there times when you just felt like, oh, I just want to be living my life? As you just said, like, how did you balance having to be so, you know, strict and so focused on sport with also just wanting to live life, get lit? Like, how did you do that? Because I, obviously I met you at Coachella as well. So and obviously we had a good time. Like it was a, that was a time when you could let loose. But how do you find balance between being focused on your job yeah. and being yourself? I think the main word you said is balance. Um, just knowing like, you know, you, you play hard, you got to work hard. But at the same time, I think it came about after my sophomore, I mean, my second season or third season in the NFL where, you know, the spotlight had gotten so big that no matter what I would do, the smallest thing, mm -hmm. it just is magnified. Mm -hmm. And it made it to where it's, if you weren't, you know how the world works if it's not on instagram it didn't happen or whatever it is you know which is stupid because i'm working and for me to have to sit there and post my workouts to show you that i'm working out it's just a mm. backwards concept to me like it doesn't it don't really register with me like why would i need to show you that i'm working for you to know that i'm working you know what i'm saying like it just doesn't make sense so it kind of was just about balance and um still enjoying it you only have one life and it can all be gone tomorrow you know Anything could happen, uh, good, bad, anything could happen to where it could all be gone tomorrow. And I think just enjoying each and every day is where I got to the point where it was, you know, I'm I'm going to enjoy these days no matter what. Like I always tell people, I say, when we die, we're the only one in that box. You know what I mean? And any decisions and everything that like we live with them, you know what I'm saying? So it's like live your life 
It's probably my advice that I give everybody. You should put that on a t-shirt, mate. Yeah. Look at you coming out with the slogans and catchphrases. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't even want to do a podcast. You've got good one-liners, you know. I got a few of them. I got a, I got a pops who's, he should write a book of one-liners, honestly. He's got, he's got a million of them. Would you say that your dad's one of your biggest inspirations? Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's like, so nice. He is. He's like my best friend. He's like my, my twin, you know, all in one. But at the same time, that respect level that that's your your pops, that's your father. Mm. And my mom as well. Like my just seeing how hard and dedicated my mom was growing up. Like for me growing up and just seeing her, you know, work and just her mindset, her mentality, everything. It's like those two have like molded me into you know genetics wise like who i am <laughs> and um i couldn't be any more appreciative for those two to be my parents you know what i mean mm. what would you say is one thing that you've learned specifically from each of your parents i think i learned sacrifice the most from my mom if i could say one thing because like i say just to see what you know whether it was having a tough decision to to leave us in New Orleans to take a, a better opportunity, coaching job to better our family, or at a young age, you know, the sacrifice she made as my parents weren't together and to see, you know, what she had to go through and how to handle and manage everything. Um, I think sacrifice is one of the biggest things that I've learned for her that I definitely feel like it's gotten me to this position. I know how to, you know, handle certain things or, or what to give up to get what it is I want mm-hmm. or want to achieve. And for my pops, it was kind of this, this like loose, looseness of like, you know, being who you are and like owning that and being in that. I learned so much from both of them. It's hard mm, to pick one thing, but <laughs> it's definitely that looseness of just being who you are and knowing, you know, what you're here for and you're the best. So always be the best. You talk about sacrifice being one of the things that you learned from your mom. And I know that you say in a lot of your interviews that um, in order for you to get to where you are now, you've had to sacrifice. What would you say has been one of your biggest sacrifices? Time. Mm-hmm. Time is um, time and, no, I guess it's just time because that kind of, it's a big umbrella of a lot of things that fall under it. But, you know, I remember growing up each and every weekend, I was traveling to a soccer tournament or a baseball tournament or some kind of AAU basketball game. And those free times, those free hours that other kids have, like I didn't have, they were dedicated to a sport, which I worked hard all week for. And then it just kind of, you know, it goes back to like how I feel even about now, like we work six days a week for 60 minutes of play. Mm -hmm. And then it just repeats, it repeats, it repeats. And it's just like, all you have is those 60 minutes. So those are so important to me. And it just kind of, you know, just took me back to like, time is, you know, like they always say, time waits for no man and all those other quotes and one-liners you can find about time, but it really is precious mm-hmm. and it's something that you can never get back. So I just look back and I'm thinking about, you know, all the weekends that I spent working to get to where I'm at. Like, I knew I was going to be here. So time is, is definitely the one. Yeah, I know what you feel when you say that. I remember... The first summer that I spent in New York for like long period of time, and I had to miss Frank Ocean concert. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever it is, though, you know, yeah. like the sacrifice you had to make, the time that you could have spent somewhere else or doing something, like you say, getting lit, like whatever it was, like it was cut off, like due to work, mm-hmm. and especially at a young age. And I really wonder what that does for, like, you know, your psyche as you get older or growing up. Like, how does it? 
how do you manage that? But I mean, you know, just as well as I, like time is the only thing you just can't, can't get it back. Yeah, time is very precious. I remember the times where I didn't understand, like, not that I didn't understand, I knew what I was doing it for, but like when you're staying in model apartments with like mice, and I'd be thinking like, what if this doesn't work out? But then at the same token, I knew it was. Did you ever have times where you were thinking like, before obviously you got drafted, all that, was there times when you were thinking like, what if? Like, did you ever have that thought in your head? Like, what if this doesn't work out? Yeah, I I think that's natural for anyone who who knows that they have greatness in them Mm -hmm. to to have that what if. Um, But I think the reason that we got here is because the what if was never bigger than the determination Mm -hmm. that, that we would make it. You know, I was very small in high school. I never I never was the big recruit or anything like that. And I didn't necessarily know, um, you know, I, my dream was always to make it, but I didn't, I couldn't like, it's just funny. It's like, I knew I'd be here, but it was so surreal to be there at mm-hmm. the same time, even though knowing it's where I deserve and where I was going to be. But I think that was the thing. It was that what if, like, what if I don't make it or what mm-hmm. is it? And uh, who was it? J. Cole was always talking about how like it, Plan B is to make plan A work, whatever. I think that's it. Plan B is to make plan A work. (laughs) But it never, there was never a plan B. Like I was going to make this happen. You know, whatever I had to do to make it happen, it was going to happen. No, I understand that. And as you're you're right though, I feel like a lot of people have dreams and a lot of people want to achieve great things, but it is like making sure that you don't let that what if become bigger than your determination to succeed. Mentally, what would you say is something that you need to do before every single game to like get your mind right and be focused to be the best? For me, it's it's like I, I have this um, not like photographic memory, but I could like project like into this room and like close my eyes and literally see things that are happening. So, have you watched Queen's Gambit on Netflix? Yeah, like that. she could put the chest. Yeah, pieces up yeah, there. yeah. I could somewhat. Do that, but not... No, okay, maybe not chess pieces. Yeah. Plus, you're not taking fucking pills. Right, she was, <laughs> she was saving up on the pills just to get right. But I can I can see things um, like that and envision this or whatever. You know, it's not even a real word, but you know what I mean? No, you but can, I get it, yeah. You could just see these things that are happening. So for me, I have to get into that zone. I have to, like... I need the music. I mm-hmm. got to be... What song you listening to? Man, all of it. Drake, Wayne... <laughs> J. Cole, like, oh, I just, I have a certain playlist that, like, game day, like, these is my, these okay. are my songs. And it's probably some old songs, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just to get in that zone. And the sport we play is so gladiator-like. You need a little mm. bit of rah-rah music. Yeah, you, it's not fun getting hit. So, like, you need something to get you charged. So, it's just about getting in that zone and feeling like, you know, like, what am I doing here? Why? Mm. Thinking about everything that you've risked and every moment and opportunity that you seize just to get here and it's like here's another one and this one's as soon as this one's gone you'll never get it back um and then capturing those moments mm. when you're on the field you just said you're getting hit do you not just want to fight i don't get it because I, I just know that if i was playing this sport i'm getting i want to fight you yeah <laughs> it happens it definitely happens you know and it's just it's hard because then the, there's rules and, you know, I've had things happen in my career where people are spitting at your feet and stuff like that. And that's, you know, where we're from, like, that's that's a different respect. that's a different sign. So it's not even about football no more. But um, it's that's that's part of the game is to try and get somebody else off the game and finding a way to keep your composure, which you know, isn't always the case. Like we're human at the end mm. of the day. 
sometimes, like you say, you just want to fight. Like, that's just yeah. it. Yeah. Not like I'm a fighter or anything, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like you have to have a lot of restraint and you have to have a lot of respect in that game, I yes. guess, for one another. As you said, you could have done any sport. What made you decide that football was the one? Like, what was it? I'll be honest, the football just, I just knew that it was going to, like, I knew I could be in the NFL. Mm. Like I told my mom at four years old, basketball, football, football was my first love. I tried out, I could have, when I was 13, supposed to go to the U.S. national team, try Mm. out, but I couldn't imagine like leaving my family and going overseas at 14 years old Mm. to chase a dream, which you know, looking at it, I remember, I think it was 2012 or 2016, I think, when I was, when I was like, man, I was supposed to be on that U.S. team, like, in the, in the, Aww. like, my, my mind thinks about stuff like that, or basketball, it was like, it was soccer, basketball, football, but football was just the easiest route, like, mm-hmm. I just knew for sure, and looking back on it, I wouldn't, you know, make any other decision, because you never know what yeah. led you here, but if I could like redo and, and keep this here and have another one. Like a parallel universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, would, I would have went with football or, yeah, or soccer. soccer. Yeah, sure. You know what? Like Rick and Morty, you know how there's parallel universes? Yeah. Maybe somewhere you're out here kicking ball. Yeah, maybe yeah. I am. I'll, I'll live with that. <laughs> <laughs> and at 21, you decided to forgo your last semester of college to be drafted. Mm. That's a really big decision to make, you know, to like stop your education, to pursue your dreams. Mm. What advice do you have for other people who have to make the decision between their education and following their dreams? Yeah. And I still, I promised my mom I would, I would get my degree. And the reason I want to is one day I'm going to have kids and I want to be able to, you know, tell them how important it is to have that. Um, and they'll be like, you didn't finish yeah, your degree, exactly, Dad. Exactly, <laughs> And then that's what I can't have. So, but at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for yourself and your family. And when that opportunity's there, and I had an opportunity to get drafted pretty high, you never know what could happen for one by not taking that chance and that opportunity. What could have happened in that year time that you went from the 12th pick to fourth round pick and you might have been injured or you know what I'm saying like the higher round you are yeah. the better basically basically okay that's how they that's how they look at it but there's you know plenty of seventh round picks undrafted people who go on and be legends and for me I was the 12th pick in the first round and it was like I had an opportunity to go first round and to have a first round grade at the time was kind of a big deal so it was like I just you know, felt like this is my opportunity. This is what I worked for. Like it's time. And I knew that God had me. I knew mm-hmm. I was going to be set and I was going to be straight regardless. So I'm not saying don't get your degree, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> At the same time, like there is another opportunity here. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? No. Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. And now, have to talk about the fashion. Yeah, Come on yeah. now, because I feel like you're one of the first 
you know, sportsmen who have really taken their personal style seriously. What does personal style mean to you? I think it's just a, a symbol of expression, you know, and I remember in high school, um, I felt like I tried to dress down, like just to fit in, because if you were wearing too much, like at our high school, you probably would have like, got teased for it or stuff like that. And it just, for me, it kind of, it's something that grew and evolved into a brand. And now it's like, I can't not do it can't not have a fit on nah you just can't but it's like i feel like it's even harder today because a lot of stuff is like died out or you don't want to be too trendy or this and that and it's like man i'd rather create my own stuff and just mm. rock all my own stuff and not have to wear any name yeah shit. just so what are we is that a little exclusive drop <laughs> there that we might be getting a little brand? It might be a little info, you know what I mean? A little okay. something going on. But it just is, I just feel like that's the only thing I could see now because it's like, it's hard for me to go and get gallery or chrome hearts because I know that everyone's wearing that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't necessarily, like you want to still be different and set aside from everybody else without being like OD and it's like, mm. I want to be so different that I'm just- Wearing anything. Yeah, like that's, that to me is not, I mean, <laughs> I respect when someone puts something on and how they feel on the inside, I think that's the most important thing. Mm. Like you could have some trash on, but like if you're as long like- As you feel great. <laughs> and I'm fresh, like I'm good. That to me is, it makes me look, it makes me like close my eyes and relook at what you're wearing and be like, damn, you're right, that is hard. Like because- The confidence. Yeah, the confidence yeah. is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. That's honestly how I feel. So you were just saying that in high school, you didn't want to dress too OD. So what would yeah. be like a, a typical Odell outfit in high school? Man, high school, I was just wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Keep it simple. That's it. What, Vans? Were you a Vans guy? Were you a Jordans always, guy? I was like, always Jordans and Nikes. Okay. Um, I think the Jordan ones are my favorite shoe. Same. But I had, yeah, it's just, it can go with anything. Anything, anything. Suit. Like, it can, it just is... Probably one of my favorite shoes, Air Force One. Like those mm -hmm. are like my two, just they can go with anything. So I remember my shoe collection started early in high school. Like I, <laughs> I've been, I wish that we weren't moving at the time because all of my shoes was just here. Like I, I know, damn, I would have loved to have seen that. Crazy shirt. closet in Cleveland. Oh. Like it just has been a, a time of collection where like, that you like personally attached, even to something you would Everything has a story. You wouldn't wear it ever again, but like to see someone else take it and like leave with it, you there's bet. like a piece of you that's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So in high school, I would say, you know, they, we had to wear polos, but like I just wasn't down with wearing the polos. I would get Fair. in trouble. You know what I mean? I'm trying to just wear a t-shirt, some jeans or whatever it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much it. I watched an interview with one of your ex-teammates who was telling me about a time when you had your contract with Nike, but this is when Adidas Yeezy was going crazy. So talk to me about how that felt because I personally know what it's like when you contractually shouldn't be wearing something, but that's just what you want to wear. Like, yeah. talk to me about that time. <laughs> and it was tough because it was like coming out right before I was signing my deal. So I was like trying to get all the little Yeezy wears I can get in before I really, <laughs> before the ink hit the paper. Because it just was like, when those dropped, like that was some of the, like- uh, It was a moment. Yeah. And you couldn't miss out on that. Nah, you <laughs> couldn't. So it was crazy because it was like, I'm just now about to sign with Nike and he, you know, releases the it's biggest right. Adidas drop. You know what I'm saying? So, but you still get the little wears in that. You know, as you said, if it hasn't been seen by Instagram, did it really happen? Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> 
And how are things working with Nike? Because as you said, you grew up wearing them. So to have a contract with them, that must have been kind of monumental, no? Absolutely. I mean, this is something you dreamed of as a kid. You know, I, any money that my mama made and I didn't want any gifts. I just wanted shoes. <laughs> and that was it. I just wanted shoes. Don't give me... No, not shoes and a video game. Whenever you, whenever it's my time to get one or the new game is coming out, the Madden, the NBA, that's all I wanted. So to be, to get with Nike was kind of like a dream come true and to be able to do collaborations and things with them. It yeah, just I have was, a pair of yours. Yeah. Yeah, colorful, they're cute. I wear yeah. them time, my jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just some little 720s, you know, but um, one of my favorite projects I did was one of the Air Force Ones with them just kind of like 50 shades of red. It was just an all red force, but mm -hmm. it was every red material that they had in the shop put onto a shoe like in different places of, mm. of wherever it was at. I don't have a pair of those, so you need to see if you can find some on the back the, cover, UK size seven. UK size seven. Those were probably <laughs> the toughest ones. Like I remember I had a seating list and they were just ended up, they were gone within. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. And talk to me about when you wore your Richard Mill on the field. Yeah. That was a moment. It's Tell just, me about it. It's just crazy because it's like, I literally, after I got that watch, that was the second one I got, but this one was the sportier one that I got because like I work out a lot. And the first one I was like, this is not, can't like work out in this. Otherwise I just feel like I'm trying to like, be whatever yeah, so, and this McLaren one was carbon fiber made with a different strap everything and it just was like I had been all training camp just every day 6am to 9pm like going to sleep like just it just was became something that it meant mm -hmm. not like it meant nothing but this is just like what I wear the same you're way you're so comfortable with it yeah yeah I catch, I've been catching passes for the last month and a half with it on and I remember just getting so much Backlash or whatever, no. and it just oh, backlash on my side of things. Yeah. People were like, "Ooh, yeah. you're fly, yeah. come from the orange strap." <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It just, it just was like, it makes it because you know the world builds you up to break you down, and I was oh, in a yeah. period of like they just were trying to break you down. Mm. Anything you did, it wasn't you could never necessarily do right. Yeah, but for me, I was like, I'm gonna continue wearing it, and the fact that you try and push harder for me to not wear it. Makes me want to do even more. more yeah. Like, just because it was like it really was no big deal, but now you like low key piss me off. <laughs> so now like I'm going to go get a different one and wear a different one now. Just because every day, new one every day now. Lucky I can't. Yeah, but if you ever have any laying around, feel free to toss one my way. I'll put extra hole in that. Make Fit sure my slender wrist. Yes, indeed. And you talk about breaking rules in the name of fashion. I heard that you got a $14,000 fine for not wearing trousers that cover the knees. What are these rules? First of all, like, I don't get it. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's about a knee pad being over your knee instead of three inches up, which if you put a knee pad over your knee and someone hits you mm. with a helmet or any body part mm. in the knee, in any kind of way, you're going to tear ligaments, tendon, like you're going to, you're going to get injured regardless. Yeah. yeah. That pad is not stopping you at all. It's not protecting anything but maybe a bruise. So why do you have to wear them then? Oh, you know, other people don't. It's mm -hmm. more so like, you know, the singled out person. I'm yeah. the one who has to. Why do you feel you get singled out? Uh, Partly just because of the success I had early and then partly because mm -hmm. of... You know, like I say, when you try and put me in a box and make me do or be something, then it's going to make me want to not do the mm. exactly what you're asking me to do even more. 
rebellious uh, yeah. like it yeah definitely, <laughs> i definitely am like i just it's just like we could have just left each other alone but now mm-hmm. you're like you're poking at me and expect me not mm-hmm. to bite and i'm gonna bite every time like i'm i'm gonna bite you and i think that just it got to the point where like they just wanted to keep going i was like oh well it never seems like it's fun when when I can play, but mm-hmm. like when y'all just get to play by yourself, I'm supposed to just sit back and just accept and take whatever, and that's just not me, you know. Like I want to play too, mm-hmm. kind of you know what it is. Ain't no fun when a rabbit got the gun. Never heard that one before, but yeah. I'll, another one to put on your t-shirt. Yeah, put another one on the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. So when do you feel that you started to get the confidence to be this rebellious and to be like, this is who I am? Because I feel like it takes, for me in my industry, it took me a little bit of time because people were always like, as the black model and being like sometimes the only black model in certain spaces, I felt like if I talked up or whatever, it's like, oh, you're the stereotype, this and that. It's exactly what it is. But I think it got to a point of like, it wasn't a, it could have been confidence, but it was more of acceptance. Mm -hmm. Like, this is this is me yeah this is what mm. this is where you have me at this is your perception is not really my reality but mm. you know i understand where you're at what the world's got going on so i'm right here even though i know this is not me but i'm gonna i'm gonna live in this and, mm. you know use this rebel bit you know just for just living it okay that's just it kind of like kevin durant uh you know, he went to OKC and now he's hated on and you see him at Brooklyn, but you see this, he's still killing them on the court, but it's like, he, he's not here for the games mm-hmm. and like the bullshit anymore. And that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm just, just not here for the games and the bullshit because the only person who has to take the toll of that stress is you. Mm-hmm. You know, no one else is stressing out. Or they, mm-hmm. they are obviously because they're the ones making the big deal about it, but you just kind of learn to live in it and like be accepting a little bit. Yeah, I feel like that's the same thing for me because after a while, I realized like the only person who's going to the toilets crying or having that feeling inside of being uncomfortable was me. And that's when I started to find my voice as a model. And also because I felt like if I don't speak up and start saying something about how I'm being treated as a black model or, you know, how I feel, I realized that for the younger generation coming up, they're going to experience the same thing. So I feel like by you standing up and saying, this is who I am, this is what I want to do. I feel like you're inspiring the younger generation to feel like they can be free and be themselves as well. Whether, you know, whether the world likes that or not, I think you're exactly right. Because there is going to be someone else, just a whole line of someone else's Mm. who are going to come up and have to deal with the same kind of thing. Like there was line way before I did. It's just about setting it straight for the for the next generation you know never wanted to make mistakes i never wanted to be a bad role model but at the end of the day you know we are role models and i'm gonna always do my best to be who i am but also try and set a good precedent for for the ones that are coming and that's why you're on the podcast today isn't yeah. it <laughs> and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about your hair as well yeah. because i know that you went viral when you bleached your hair and yeah. i feel like you inspired a generation of young black boys to feel confident in dyeing their hair yeah. so talk to me about that talk to me about your favorite meme of yourself as well do you have a favorite meme because i know there was a few oh man there was it was crazy because um, I think Kim had went viral for some champagne or something that was going on. Oh, the the break the internet, her, the yeah. champagne glass on the ass, that, yeah. that, that magazine cover around that yeah. time, right? And then there was like one of me, like 
catching on that one. There's one catching a, a meteorite or something that was going on. There was just, it was just so funny to see this at the time. Um, and I feel like this was like when memes were just kind of yeah, I like know it was really... like just like they were they were a thing, but like I remember they weren't like there wasn't as many. Yeah, let's just say there wasn't as many. So it's just like I, I couldn't tell you the favorite one, but those two are probably the ones I think I couldn't remember what it was with the media right there was something that was going on in the world uh, at the time and then they pulled that out and it just was funny because I remember really breaking the internet and it was just nuts like to sit there to watch you know Instagram with something that I didn't necessarily care for like I was just learning how to use Instagram I just got on Instagram the year before that 2013 mm. um, so I was just kind of learning and to watch your account go from like 200k to like a million in mm. four weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. And then crazy to watch work. it go to like two million, like mm. another four months after. So like the meme, was, the meme basically made you made your Instagram like go crazy. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. My favorite one had to be the ramen noodles, though. Keep it classic. Oh, yeah. Keep it classic. Absolutely. There were so <laughs> many good ones that was going on, and um, just being able to inspire like it's just crazy. I remember going to my camp. And seeing all the kids with the blonde mohawk, mm -hmm. like for me to have to cut my hair, like it took a lot because it was like, man, I'm not cutting it to to fit in or anything. It just honestly because you dye it so many times, like yeah, yeah. You just want your hair healthy. You want to yeah. start over. Like now, nah, I even started over because I'm about to start over again and come up with some new style just to inspire someone else to, you know what I mean? What's gonna be the vibe? I don't know. I dreads? Don't know. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah, no dreads. It'll be it'll be similar to some things that I've done, but just with a little little spice on it. A little spice. Yeah. Would you do another color? Definitely. Ooh. Yeah. Another little exclusive there on role yeah. model. Keep your eyes peeled. Is that going to be your next Instagram post then when you change your hair up? Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I get there, I'm trying to. Uh, you know when you, it takes a few cuts before it's like mm. exactly where you want it to be. That's where I'm at right now. Working out the. I'm still trying to. Visualize. Yeah. <laughs> Still trying to visualize it uh, exactly how I want it to be because when I do do it, um, it's going to be something that you have to commit to. You mm. know what I'm saying? So. Because it's part of your brand too. Yeah. Why don't you just try one of those lace front toupees <laughs> to test out the difference? It's just too hot for me. I'm going to be sweating. Feeling back. Yeah. Take it off. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be something cool, something fun. All right. Looking forward to it. And my last question to you would be, what advice would you give to your younger self? Like before you're drafted, before all of that, what advice would you give to yourself? I get this question so much. And oh, is reason, it? I get it. I get it because it, it's such a hard question because each time in your life, like, you know, as if you four years ago, the answer could have been different yes, to where, like, exactly. where it is now. And it's like, there was advice that I could tell my younger self. I want to change the question now. All right. Now I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. If you had a son, mm -hmm. what piece of advice or what life lesson would you want him to learn from you telling him than for him to experience himself? I feel like you almost said the answer. Like, you know, without, without being like, I can't help you. Mm. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. There's this, this sense of like to learn from the ones before you, mm. but to still experience each and every life thing that you have going mm. on yourself. Like there, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be twists and turns and, you know, never getting too high, never getting too low. But it's about like, at the end of the day, it's about 
being and doing you and doing what you want in your life because you only have one life. Mm. And that's really it. And just make the most of it. Make each day count. Uh, and I think, you know, one day when I have a kid, I don't know what the answer will be. One day mm. when I have a son, like, I don't know what that answer will be. Hopefully that means I have time to, to figure, figure, that answer, <laughs> that figure that answer out. But definitely to be you, um, more importantly than anything, to just be you and, and to commit to that. All right. Thank you so much for coming on A Role Model. I really appreciate it. And I know that you are going to go on or continue to inspire this generation. So thank you. Man, thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap. See, it wasn't that bad, was it? No, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. You got the energy for it. Role Model is a Something Else production. Produced by Harriet Wells. Additional production from Steve Ackerman. The executive producers are Claire Solon and Chris Skinner. Special thanks goes to Ella McLeod, Charlotte Tahira, Camilla Baden, Jesse Donnelly, Emma Lansden, Mark Rivers, and Atura Acosta Jr. The sound engineer was Gulliver Tickle. Next time on Role Model. I want to know what it was like, a typical dinner with the Kardashian-Jenner clan. Oh my goodness. It was wild. When my mom and my stepdad first married, it was my mom had four kids. She had three girls and a boy. And then my stepdad had three boys and a girl. So it was really like the Brady Bunch. And we merged and all <laughs> eight of us were so obsessed with one another. We just thought it was so cool because we didn't have older brothers. And so we just, it was just chaos all day long. That many kids under one roof.